Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, across this great nation of Canada, it is National Housing Day. Now, of course, when you hear this, this is pre-recorded, so it won't be National Housing Day. It is November 22nd. Coincidentally, it is my 50th year of being on this planet, so I can't think of a better way to celebrate than let's do a podcast, right? Um, and celebrate National Housing Day. As always on this podcast, it's brought to you by the good people at Blue Door. That's my organization, which I'm immensely proud of, a group of really, really talented individuals, excluding myself, <laughs> up in uh, York region that are doing great work at preventing and ending homelessness. And of course, our friends at the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness, who are also doing great work uh, in ending homelessness across this uh, this nation of ours. Go to their site at www.caeh.ca to check out all the different opportunities uh, they have for communities uh, to help train and, and different things to end homelessness in your community. You want to become a Built for Zero community, let me tell you. And if you want to check out my organization, go to bluedoor.ca. My kids always tell me, Dad, you don't have to say the www at the beginning. Bluedar.ca, check out the work that we're doing. Now, let's get on with this podcast. You know, uh, we talk a lot about the solutions around ending homelessness. But listen, we can't end homelessness if we don't prevent it from happening in the first place. There are great organizations across this country, around the world, that have a focus on prevention. We have a guest here today who is doing some great work with Covenant House Toronto uh, in that area. And he's going to come on and talk about it um, and share his wisdom, drop some wisdom to you. That is Justin Sage uh, Pacent. He is coming on. Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. And happy birthday. You kept that quiet. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I said it, it's all it's all oatmeal and soft foods from here on in, right? After 50. Um <laughs> Anything I could I could blend up or 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 push through. Well, I'm looking at stair. I'm looking at homes. I have to make sure there's not many stairs in them, you know. Uh, but it more importantly, it is uh, National Housing Day, and most importantly, we have you here to share your wisdom. Uh, the first question we always ask people before we get rolling, Justin, because uh, it's important to the show, is what does home mean to you? Wow, that's such a good question. Um, what does home mean to me? I guess I would say it means safety, it means comfort. Um, I think home is mostly about having a sense of belonging. Um, someone that didn't grow up in Canada, I think my sense of home, what 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 home means to me has shifted over the years. Um, I think now for me, home is a place where I understand, but it's also a place where I'm understood. Yeah, great question, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, that's and that's one of the uh, that is a unique answer that we have here. That that the place where I'm understood. I love that. Um, and it's interesting when you mentioned when you're you're small. So many of us have the privilege of when you're, you're you know, it, it's just a given that every day you'll return home and it will be there. And no worries, no problem. But for so many youth across Canada, that simply just isn't how it is. Right, far too young they find out that uh, home is precarious if. if you know, there at all. Uh, before we launch into the great work you're doing, I want to learn more about you. Tell me a little bit, Justin, just about your journey into this work, your background. Yeah, I um, I fell into to working with, with youth experiencing homelessness kind of by accident. 
Um, my undergrad was um, in theater. I always thought that I was going to write and, and act in plays. Um, clearly, that didn't happen. Um, but what did happen was that a nonprofit um, close to where I lived that worked with young people struggling with substance use and addiction challenges was looking to incorporate some drama uh, workshops into their services. Um, so I ended up doing a bit of uh, work with them. And then the scale started to shift where I was doing more work with them and less of, of, of the acting and the writing. And, and that, that tip in the scales just continued. Um, then when I moved here to Toronto, which was uh, 2007, so 15 years ago now, that's when I started working in the city shelter system, um, working through the youth emergency shelter system um, and had the great privilege of working with some amazing folks, um, including people like Nancy Abrams, who, who really showed me that we were missing a big trick if we weren't thinking carefully and thoughtfully about youth's journeys into homelessness and what more could we be doing earlier in young people's lives that might help them achieve better outcomes. Um, and yeah, I, I would say it was thanks to people like that that, that really um, led me to be where I am today and in the privileged position I've got right now here at Covenant House. And we are thankful to them because without them, you wouldn't be here doing the great work you're doing. You, you briefly just touched on this and I touch on this. For people who may not really understand or say, you know, when we talk about the prevention or homelessness prevention, what exactly does that mean? What do we talk about when we talk about homelessness prevention? Yeah, I think the, the first thing we think about, right, is that upstream prevention, meaning how do we prevent a young person needing to access an emergency shelter in the very first place? Um, and that's clearly a big and important part of homelessness prevention work. But homelessness prevention work expands beyond that. So the way I make sense of it in my head is primary, secondary and tertiary prevention. So primary being the upstream work, what sort of supports do young people need that might help them um, not need to access an emergency shelter? The secondary piece would be about helping young people exit homelessness as quickly as possible to save stable housing situations. And then the tertiary piece is about working with young people to help them strengthen their network of supports um, who exist outside of the shelter system and outside of professionals so that they're less likely to bounce back into homelessness at a later time in their life. It's so important for us here in Toronto because our emergency system is at capacity. So on any given night, the emergency shelters are full. Um, we've seen that here at Covenant House um, since 2018. The average length of stay of a young person in the emergency shelter has increased by almost 50%. Um, so what this means is that the people are staying longer in emergency settings. They're not exiting as quickly which means that then people seeking emergency services, seeking those shelter beds are getting turned away because there's no space available. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, and I think part of that would be, we've seen the numbers in Toronto um, grow to about 9,000 um, and that's experiencing homelessness and 20% of that youth year over year, you see that growth. And, and let me tell you, if there's there's been that kind of growth, the emergency system has not grown to equal that. But there's a lot of people who say, hey, listen, if we do prevention right, there won't be as many people entering into 
youth homelessness. So let's talk about one of those things. We we hear the term shelter diversion. What the heck does that mean? Shelter diversion. So that fits in that primary, secondary, tertiary way of making sense of it. That's the secondary tier. So that's about helping young people exit homelessness to safe, stable housing situations as quickly as possible. So what that looks like for us here at Covenant House is um, our diversion case manager meets with young people either as they're arriving to do their intake into shelter or within the first day or two after they've arrived at shelter, or he's available by phone if young people are calling for a bed and there isn't one available, um, they're offered the opportunity to connect with the diversion worker um, for additional support. What that support looks like is really a problem-solving conversation. It's what's going on, where are you at right now, where have you been most recently, what other options might you have available um, as an alternative to staying in shelter, and how can we help you make those alternatives work for you? So it's, in a nutshell, it's really about helping young people think through their situation, problem solve their situation, and empowering them to have some choice about how they want to address their situation. The, the emergency shelter system will be there, it's not going any, anywhere, um, but what other options might be available and how can we make that work for you? So would that mean, oh, you could go stay with your aunt while you um, get connected to an employment program so you can start saving some money to get your own place. Uh, but aunt's not too sure about having you stay. Okay, well, what about if we helped out with some groceries for a month? Would that make it work out for you and aunt? Um, you know, we know that the longer, the more, the more young people experience homelessness and access the shelter system, the more they get disconnected from their home communities and their support networks. Um, the more someone's disconnected from their community, their support network, the longer they are to experience homelessness. Um, the longer someone's experiencing homelessness, the more likely they are to experience exploitation and trauma. The more exploitation and trauma someone experiences, the more disconnected they are from their community and their support networks. The more they're disconnected from their community and support networks, and I, I think you figure out where I'm going with this, Michael. Yeah. So if we can provide that, that alternative, that, that support to identify an alternative really early on in young people's experience of homelessness, we might be um, helping young people not get so disconnected and so entrenched in the homelessness experience. That's a real slippery slope. I mean, Justin, um, and diversion is such a simple concept. It actually sometimes I think, how could we have not have thought of this years ago? Like, it's very inexpensive. But really, like, to break simply, it's just asking some questions. Before, it used to be, hey, I need a shelter bed. Yes or no, do you have one? Okay, and then go from there. And now we're asking a few questions. Because not every youth is in need of the emergency system if we just ask them to your point maybe there's they need a little money for rent maybe there's a relative they can stay with because you really don't want people entering into that system because it's hard to exit at times right and and i i remember um a stat that if a youth spends more than two years straight in the system most likely it's lifelong right um you know, listen, I, I quite often, you know, you go about doing your day-to-day -day work, but uh, I used to work for a group called 360 Kids up in uh, York region. And uh, in 2015, we had a kid there. He's a great kid. I used to chat with him a lot. And about two weeks ago, I was up at our men's uh, emergency housing program. And he said hi to me. He's like, hey, man, how's it going? 
And it just broke my heart that we had failed him. This is now seven years in, and he's he's still in the system. He may have exited at some point, but he has now graduated from youth homelessness to adult homelessness, and, and it didn't have to be that. We failed that young man, um, and that, that really bothered me. Diversion, maybe from the beginning, how we diverted this young man and got him different supports, right? And, and so I'm going to get to a point here. You uh, have to talk about it. You're a big fan of shifting... Uh, providing services, shifting for providing services in the shelters to the community. Can you talk to us about what that means and how that works? Yeah, I mean, in, in a nutshell, that that's about meeting people where they're at. Um, so it's about connecting with young people and their families before they they they, they come to emergency shelter. So that means having staff that are mobile that that will literally be out in the community meeting people in their homes, at the local Tim Hortons, at the local library. Um, you know, our traditional response has been to wait for young people to, to call for the shelter bed before we start thinking about case management supports, mental health supports. Um, what's, what's getting in the way of us offering those supports earlier on? Um, if, if we're expecting young people to access shelters um, in order to access supports, then the more likely to want to stay connected to the shelter. And, and like you just identified, that that's not always the best situation for, for everyone. Um, what it means for us as homelessness service providers is, is we need to partner with folks. We need to partner with other systems, um, whether that be the education system, partnering with schools or the child welfare system. Um, we need to work in collaboration with with agencies and workers who are already connected to young people in the community um, to leverage um, their expertise, the, the relationships they already have with young people and families. Um, we, we can't operate in silos. Um, so yeah, the, the partnering with other systems, I think is a critically important strategic piece of, of taking the work into the community. Construct. A social enterprise by Blue Door provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project, or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Yeah, let's talk about one of those programs. My uh, my good buddy, Mike Lethby, I'm, I'm from Niagara. You talk about not being from, but I, I went from Niagara to Toronto, uh, much less of, uh, of a jump than, than you made uh, so many years back. But I'm always proud, I'm hometown proud of the work that's been done in Niagara. One of the programs that Mike Lethby has come on to talk about before uh, and keeps uh, and it keeps growing is youth reconnect uh and you mentioned uh, you know for every youth experiencing homelessness that youth at one point or another has touched the education system so why would you not work with that system to make sure the gap you know it doesn't happen tell us a little bit about youth reconnect and and uh, covenant house yeah youth reconnect is brand new for us so we just launched our youth reconnect program in september to line up with the start of the new school year um, we're partnering with the, the two school boards here in Toronto and some of the Toronto Children's Aid Societies, um, trying to connect with young people at a slightly younger age. So 
the shelter population are between the ages of 16 and 24. With Youth Reconnect, we're trying to connect with young people between the ages of 14 and 18, um, with the primary goal of helping young people stay in place, stay connected to their communities, their families, their schools, and their support networks. Um, that might mean helping young people address the issues at home that might be creating the risk of homelessness, such as family conflict, or it might be helping young people move to safe, stable housing in their communities without first needing to come to a shelter. Both these programs, so both Youth Reconnect and the Diversion program you talked about, I forget some of the stats. I think really with Diversion, you're diverting 20 to 30% of youth from coming into yeah. shelters, is that right? Yeah. We've been piloting Diversion. We launched it as a pilot halfway through February this year. We're seeing between 20 and 25% of young people that meet with our diversion worker being successfully able to secure a safe alternative to staying in the shelter. Yeah, and let's be, let's be clear to our listeners too, is we are not pushing people out who need the shelter. It, it is those who may not need that. We're looking at alternatives. And if you can save 20 to 25%, as Justin talked about, uh, emergency spots are full and we're at capacity. You're opening up spots for people really in need. There are a lot of people across, whether it's youth or adult uh, emergency housing shelters that maybe don't need to be there. Their needs are not emergency, but the alternatives aren't there, right? So we do diversion and, and other programs or have different housing options. You see those spots open up. And that's why countries like Finland have gone from 650 emergency spots to 52. Um, it's not lack of need, it's a better response with housing uh, and preventative supports, of course. And with Youth Reconnect, I think there's a staggering fact that, you know, uh, connection between people who drop out of school and homelessness, right? If they're more likely, <laughs> the status is more likely, if you stay in school, you're less likely to experience homelessness. Is that not right? That is correct. And it's bi-directional meaning that when young people experience homelessness, they're much more likely to drop out of school. Yeah. The, the, but, the national dropout rate's around 9% for youth experiencing homelessness. It's it's over 50%. Yeah, and, and let me tell you, if you spent a night on the street um, at any time in your life, you understand your what happens to your mental health and what happens to your physical health um, on the street. And that's why the, the life expectancy of someone experiencing homelessness, I think it's 47 right? Or if, if you're, when you get older and you're experiencing homelessness, you present as a lot older because the streets are, are not kind, right? So we, it's, it's key to do this uh, and do it quickly. Let's talk about one more amazing program that, uh, that you're leading. Um, so, so I want to add you to this. So in 2017, um, the Canadian Observatory on Homelessness and Away Home Canada did a survey with youth um, and youth ages 12 to 16 who experienced homelessness uh, 80% of them said, I experienced homelessness for the first time due to family breakdown, right? So I think, you know, that whole stigma of, of you know, it's just drugs or it's kids who with attitudes or, or, or mental health issues. And well, all of those things are somewhat, you know, are there, of course, 80%, it was family breakdown, whether that be abuse in the household, divorce, something happening, shifting. Um, but many of those things are, are salvageable, right? With, within the household, uh, family is key. Let's talk about your family and natural supports program. What it, what it, what does that encompass? How does it work? Yeah, I think that that's the group, the perfect intro there, right? Um, that for for hope for youth homelessness service providers, 
the assumption, the, the way we work is with the assumption that family is a part of young people's past um, and often a very problematic part of their past. Um, young people would not be homeless, would not be needing to access shelters if their families were, were healthy and, and able to support them. Um, so we don't consider, we've not been considering family as being an important part of young people's present. And we certainly have been considering the role family could play in young people's future. Um, but when we actually listen to the young people um, and we ask them about well, what does family mean for you? What are your hopes for family? If things could improve, would you live with family again? There's a very different narrative there. Um, family is still very important for many young people experiencing homelessness. And for many young people, part of the solution to the homelessness situation can be connection to family. Um, so our Family and Natural Support Program, um, it works with young people who are experiencing homelessness or at imminent risk of homelessness to strengthen their connections with the people they identify as family, whether that's immediate, extended or chosen family members. Um, and we do that with the understanding that if those relationships and connections are strengthened, that will support young people not have to experience homelessness, it will help them exit homelessness it will help them maintain stability, living in the community, and it will lead to improved health and well-being. Our Family and Natural Support Program, primarily it's a counselling service. So the, the team of Family and Natural Support workers provide individual and family therapy. Um, they also, alongside that, will help young people and their families connect to resources in the community. Um, and all these services are available for both the young person and if the young person gives their permission to the identified family members as well. Important thing I think to know about the Family Natural Support Program and the work is it's, it's not just about supporting young people return to family homes. Of course, that's a great thing if that can happen. We always celebrate that. But the focus is really on the relationship, the strengthening of the relationship. Um, and for many young people, that starts with individual one-to-one -one counseling sessions where they're speaking to the family and natural support worker about their experiencing experiences, they're unpacking what happened, how that's influencing their current relationships, um, and then developing some skills and approaches that will help them move forward right now with, with their existing family members, but also form new healthy and supportive relationships. I, I like what you're saying there too. I mean... Outside of housing, relationships and having relationships with one or two adults that are really meaningful to you can help you balance whatever housing situation you have, whatever your help with your mental and physical health as you move forward, right? So it's about strengthening uh, those relationships. Uh, now I'm going to ask you something a little uh, off cuff here in a sense that we know that so many, uh, about 25% of youth experiencing homelessness, and it differs per, per area, uh, identify as being from the 2SLGBTQ plus community. And I think many times when a youth comes out to their parents and has a negative experience where it then results in them leaving the home, does, with family natural supports, are you seeing some of that through the counseling where you're able to help families and, and youth come together to get a greater understanding of each other and, and, and work that forward? Yeah, 100%. Um, within the the youth we're serving through our family and natural support program, there's an overrepresentation of young people identifying as 2SLGBTQ. There's an overrepresentation in, in the homeless population as it is, but it's even more of an overrepresentation in our family and natural support uh, uh, demographics. 
of those 2SLGBTQ-identified youth, we see um, a significant number of trans and non-binary folks um, accessing family natural support services. Um, what that tells me is that the family is still incredibly important to these individuals. It may not be the, the family member they felt rejected or not accepted by. It may be about broadening their understanding of family. It might be about connecting to chosen family or it could be about reconciling. So it might be going back to those people and finding a way to bridge those relationships. Um, and, and I think what we've seen is that for the most part, family members who struggle to accept their young person's LGBTQ identity still care about their young person. Um, they may be struggling to make sense of and understand their identity, but at the root of their their, their approach is concern for their young person. So with a little bit of guidance, a little bit of support, some education, some encouragement, a little bit of advice to try doing things a little bit differently, these family members are still willing to be there for their young person. Um, and they're willing to make changes and they're willing to adapt um, because the young person is, is, for many of these people, the most important person in their life. Absolutely. Well, incredible, incredible work that you're doing across. What What is next? So a lot of these are in the pilot phase. What are the hopes um, for your programs, the preventative programs in the future for Covenant House? Yeah, good question. Um, so Youth Reconnect is brand new. Um, so we're really excited to see, see what's going to happen there and, and figure out our learnings um, and, and refine the program and our approaches there to better serve the young people and their families. Uh, diversion, we've we've piloted it. We completed our six-month pilot, and this, the program's still running. So I think we're doing something right. Um, it's a pillar of the agency's strategic plan. So prevention is one of the pillars of the new strategic plan, which is really exciting. Um, so definitely room for growth. A lot of learning needs to be done. Um, there's there's some interesting ideas out there. You know, we've, we've other people are running host home programs. Um, I've been listening to people talking about um, chosen family host homes. So as opposed to um, stranger matching, you, it's supporting young people connect to their natural support networks, the folks they're already connected with. Um, so there's a lot of interesting conversation happening, not just here in Canada, but internationally right now. Uh, we've got so much to learn about this. It still feels like a, we're still young and emerging. Right? We need to really figure it out. Well, yeah, you know, I'll tell you my, my experience when I was with uh, 360 Kids and uh, I remember Dr. Stephen Gates said to me, hey, you, you should check out this program in the UK called Night Stop. It's a host homes program. And, and uh, this is what I do that sometimes to my team's chagrin, right, is that I, I just I went online, found someone, they put me in touch with the right person. And I said, this is an awesome program. And really, it's a host homes model where uh, you could have screened people. And it's it's really a preventative piece that, hey, I may not need emergency shelter, but I might need a couple of days to bridge me through before we can figure out what's going to happen. As you said, best if it's a family member, of course, but if that's not a possibility, what are other possibilities? And uh, we, I said, I want to want to bring this to North America. It's very transferable. It's a accredited program. It's all there. Um, and we did. You know what the funniest thing, uh, Justin, was about that when we were going through the accreditation at 360 is... Um, the one thing when they're doing the risk check is in uh, the UK, swimming pools in the backyard are really not a thing. 
So it's not something <laughs> riskless that you have like you have to be careful of what what to include and not. Um, but otherwise, it, it was so simple to bring over, and it's so cost effective. And I know Clovis Grant and the incredible team at 360 have brought that work forward and, and been doing that. Um, and, and to talk about host homes, but I love what you're talking about that kind of family host homes piece too, even better as things evolve. Uh, listen, you know. Uh, Everyone's doing this work. It's great. But to have an international leader like Covenant House leading this, it carries a lot of weight. Um, you do great work. You do great research. And I think uh, at Covenant doing preventative work, it's just going to lead the way for others and, and push that conversation forward. Uh, not surprised to see it as a pillar of your strategic plan. Now, I will tell you this right now as we speak, it is World Cup time. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of your CEO, Mark Aston, uh, in the next month or so. He's going to be... Uh, missing in action as he is a huge soccer fan both as a player and an observer um as you continue to do great work he supports the wrong team though michael oh what team what team is the right team the right team would be liverpool <laughs> oh okay and what is uh is the market man you that's right he is oh, boo. <laughs> um what, what is the what's the team that uh ryan reynolds bought they're they're like a Tier three, oh, um, or, or Wexler or something? Wrexham. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so that, that's the team I support. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a Canadian, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on. I uh, so appreciate the great work you are leading and doing. Uh, so important. If you know, anytime you have uh, work you want to share or uh, great things happening, information you want to share, please reach out. We'd love to have you on again. Thanks so much, Justin. Thank you, Michael. It's been a pleasure. But listen, like I said at the very beginning, you want to end homelessness, you got to prevent it from happening. Justin talked about upstream. And what that means is too often we're rescuing people when they're further downstream. Upstream means, you know, before they actually fall in and go downstream, you're putting things in place so it doesn't happen, right? Think of it this way. If you had a leaky pipe in your basement and you just kept mopping up the water coming out, it never ends. But if you actually fix that pipe, you're going to end the water from hitting the floor. That is simple. It is prevention. Prevention, not only is it super cost effective, it saves lives. It saves people from ever touching uh, the emergency shelter system, which is key. Covenant House doing this work is so important. Listen, when they, uh, a while back when I was at Raising the Roof, they did some uh, research around brand. And when you ask people across the country around homelessness, the two brands identify are Covenant House and Salvation Army. Right, to have that brand attached to prevention, they're going to push this conversation forward. Justin is leading great work with a great team, and we're so grateful to him uh, for doing so. You know, as always, I learned something this week. I hope you did as well, and we'll continue to drop knowledge here as we see you next week on the way home. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. 
produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. 